The scripture lesson this morning comes from the book of St. Luke. It is chapter 18 and verses 9 through 14. This is a very familiar parable of Christ, and I'm sure you'll recognize it immediately. It said, and he spoke thus this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. The word of God for the people of God. As I mentioned, the scripture that I read this morning, I'm sure is very familiar to you. The parable, usually it's referred to as the Pharisee and the publican, but the word publican means tax collector. I think it's a very interesting parable because it has all sorts of ways that you can look at it. It shows that heaven is full of surprises. Some people who expect that they're a shoe-in to be there may not be while others that find themselves, that see themselves as sinners and will find themselves justified and will be there. The parable shows that God looks at the inner man at the heart rather than the outward appearance. Before we go into the message, I'd like to look at these two men for just a few moments. And I want to look at why they went to the temple in the first place. The first person mentioned was a Pharisee. The Pharisees were the strictest religion, religious sects of the particular time. They were the experts in the laws. In fact, they're the ones that made the laws for the Jewish people to follow the religious laws, and they're the ones that debated those laws. For those who don't know the historical background at this particular time, every Jewish male was required to memorize the first five books of the Old Testament. Can you imagine having the first five books of the, new, of the Old Testament memorized word for word? Now, I have difficulty sometimes remembering my own name, let alone that much data. Now, if the students showed great promise, then a teacher would take them under their wing and they would teach them the rest of the Old Testament word for word 
and all of its implications. Then when they were ready and they could do this, they would stand before an assembly of Pharisees and were quizzed upon the Old Testament and its implications and the rules and the laws. If they passed, they became a Pharisee. So you can see the Pharisees were well grounded in the religious aspects of the time. And I think this also gives a little bit of a clue why the disciples were so excited when Christ the teacher came into their lives and said, follow me. They were chosen by this teacher to follow and to learn. This was a tremendous honor. Now the reason the Pharisee was at the temple, Pharisees were expected to be at the temple. This Pharisee, as well as others, came with the wrong motivation, however. As with many Pharisees of that day, he came to impress. The other person in this story is the publican or the tax collector. And he, on the other hand, was one of the most despised people in Israel during these times. You see, the country of Israel was dominated by a very harsh, brutal Roman Empire. And the country of Israel had to put up with the troops of the Roman Empire. And to maintain these troops, the Roman Empire taxed the people that they ruled. And they hired Jews to become tax collectors of money. And many of these Jews were despised because, number one, they were collecting money for the maintaining the troops in their country. And number two, many of these tax collectors padded their own pockets by collecting a higher tax than they were supposed to. Now we may ask, why was this tax collector at the temple? We don't know for certain. From what he says, however, he was bearing some great sin upon his shoulders. Maybe he was feeling guilty about charging so much tax. Maybe he had confiscated some poor widow's home because she couldn't pay the taxes. All we know is that he was very burdened. Both men, when they came to the temple, offered a prayer. The Pharisee prays a prayer that's 34 words long and as five of those words, about one-seventh of the total prayer, is involved with the word I. He feels his righteousness. He feels his superiority and you can see this based upon the fact that not as other men are. He brags about not being an extortioner or that he was not unjust or not an adulterer. He brags on the fact that he fasts regularly and he ties. The Pharisee's standard of all this bragging is of how good he is is a statement even as this tax collector. Brothers and sisters in Christ, there are two wrong ways to lift yourself up. One is to sit and list all your good points. Oh, what a good boy I am. Look at all the things that I have done. Look at all of my accomplishments. I am so good. 
But before we get to the point of how good we are, I suggest you remember this little saying. If you start the day without caffeine, if you can always be cheerful, ignoring aches and pains, if you can resist complaining and boring people of your trouble, if you can eat the same food day in and day out and be grateful for it, if you can understand when your loved ones are too busy to give you any time, if you can resist treating a rich friend better than a poor friend, if you can face the world without lies and deceit, and if you can honestly say deep in your heart that you have no prejudice against creed, color, religion, or politics, then, my friends, you are almost as good as your dog. <laughs> the second wrong way of lifting ourselves up is the number of the faults of others. The only way some people lift up themselves is by pushing others down. Look at what so-and-so's wearing. I can't believe what a horrible fashion statement. You'd never catch me wearing that outfit, and particularly in church. And Mr. So-and-so, he sings absolutely badly. I can sing much better than he does. I'm surprised they allow him to be in the choir. Or if I had the time, I'd teach that class because I'm a far better teacher than, than she is, etc., etc. Constant criticism of others usually means that we cannot face our own shortcomings and our own sin. And it's interesting to note that while God put down the tax collector, while the Pharisee put down the tax collector, God lifted him up. In verse 13, we hear the tax collector's side of this drama. We hear the tax collector's cry for mercy. He cries out, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. His prayer is only seven words long, almost as many eyes as contained in the Pharisee's prayer. He utters this prayer in complete humility and complete repentance. You can see this from the description that he stood afar off. When he even raised his eyes to heaven, he beat his chest in shame an act of remorse and grief. It's interesting that the Pharisee singles himself out by being so righteous, but the tax collector singles himself out as being a sinner. Tax collector advertises his merit. The, the Pharisee advertises his merit. The tax collector advertises the fact that he is a sinner and agonizes for mercy. Two men came to the temple that day, one of them full of himself. He dwelled upon how good he was, how much better he was than others. He boasted to God of the fulfillments of his religious duties. And as the tradition was of the day, he most likely even kept himself separated from the other people in the temple to maintain his purity. He might have been like many of the Pharisees of that day when they went to the town square to give alms to the poor, would have a person sound a loud horn to call the poor to him and yet to make sure 
that everyone's attention was on the fact that he was giving alms to the poor. The other man went to the temple knowing that he was a sinner and pleaded for God for mercy and salvation. And when you think about it, the parable says that the tax collector went home justified while the Pharisee just went home. The tax collector went home changed. Although it specifically doesn't say so, I am certain that the tax collector went home to correct some of the things that drove him to the temple in the first place. The Pharisee, on the other hand, went home unchanged. I am sure that he was just as arrogant and self-centered as he was when he arrived at the temple. Disciples of Christ and belongers in Christ are just as vulnerable to pride and self-righteousness as the Pharisee. Those who stand in their self-righteousness may assume that Jesus in this parable was talking about others, specifically the Pharisees. But by the end of the story, readers will have to confront the attitude of the Pharisee within themselves. Because the conclusion of the scripture in verse 14 disallows any limitation of this parable to any particular group. All, all who exalt themselves will be humbled. All who humble themselves will be exalted. So I guess the real question that we need to look at this morning is what was our attitude when we arrived here this morning and what will be our attitude when we go home at the completion of the service? Did we come to the service because we wanted to be seen by others or wanted to network or make business deals or be admired for our perfect attendance? Did we come so that everyone you know, because everyone was supposed to come to church on Sunday? Did we come because of cheap entertainment for a few bucks and we get to listen to some good music and hopefully a message is short and at least keeps us awake? Or did we come to worship the Lord our God? Did we come to sing praises unto his holy name? Did we recognize the fact that we are indeed sinners and in need of his saving grace. And in what attitude will we leave at the conclusion of the service? Will it be the same attitude in which we arrive? There's a, a theologian that described the Pharisees as something like this. In faith and dedication, they did fine work. And then like so many who began with good intentions, they ended in pride and in pettiness, separated from the masses of Israel and from their God. The law became not a means to holiness, became a holiness in itself, a clutter to man-made rules and regulations to entangle the people. Will we then fall into this particular trap? Pride in doing a job well is one thing. But pride of elevating oneself at the point of others or putting others down is another. Do we work for the glory of the kingdom of God or do we work to show off others how important we are? 
When I think of pride and humility, I think of a little poem that says, uh, entitled The Small Place. It says, Father, where shall I work today? And my love flowed warm and free. Then it pointed me out a tiny spot and said, tend this for me. I answered quickly, oh no, not that. No one would ever see, no matter how well my work was done, not that little place for me. And the word he spoke, it was not stern. He answered me tenderly, ah, little one, search the heart of thine. Art thou working for them? Or for me. Nazareth was a little place, and so was Galilee. Let us pray. Father, O Lord, clothe us with humility and help us to reject and renounce pride and arrogance. Humble ourselves under the mighty hand. We thank you that the reward of humility and the reverence and fearful worship of the Lord is riches and honor and life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.